Thank you, Vladimir. That beautiful reminder of the love of God that will never leave us. No matter the crisis, never, never, never. He is always with us. Let's pray before we plunge into our, our teaching today. Oh, God, what would we do without your love in the midst of any of life's crises? Here we are now in our little spaces where you have gathered with us. We listen now for your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, Rita and Jamie Wright sent me this little whimsical piece of artwork. It was a, it's a picture of Noah's Ark. In fact, we'll put it on the screen for you. And it's accompanied with a short bit of prose. So if you see it on the kind of a cartoon rendition of Noah's Ark, and you see the headline there, A Family in Lockdown. And I tell you what, if you're living in the state of Michigan right now, you know all about being a family and being in lockdown. So I'm going to read that little small print underneath that ark. Forty days and forty nights in the ark, Noah's family was confined in a boat. There were no windows, no balconies, no terraces, no internet, no phone, no TV, no YouTube, Facebook, or Netflix. They only heard the rain. They spent their time praying, loving each other, and caring for the animals. God the Father took care of them as Noah was a man of faith and obeyed his word. Remember, even though there is out there an ocean of viruses and life seems like a stormy ride, our God is watching over us. Do not be afraid. Be faithful to him and wait patiently. The rain will stop one day. A rainbow will shine and all will be well again. End quote. Thank you, Rita and Jamie, for that piece of encouragement. God bless you there in your little home. In fact, God bless all of us in our little homes and apartments and trailers and in our rooms, wherever we are at this moment. Because if you're living in Michigan, as we all are, in this neck of the woods, then this is the week that our governor, God bless her, rendered that decision. Michiganders, go home. You're locked down for three weeks. And we're all wondering, oh, my, three weeks. How are we going to survive three weeks? And I'm even wondering, will it really be only three weeks? But how do we know? Could this, could this be any worse, we wonder? But then listen, come on. You think about Noah and his family. And by, by the way, this little, re, this little uh, reading here, it says 40 days and 40 nights they were in the ark, confined in the boat. No, 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 no. It's just, that was just 40 days and 40 nights of the rain. According to Jacques Ducan, uh, one of our Old Testament scholars here at the Theological Seminary, his uh, commentary on Genesis, he points out that, in fact, the flood lasted, get this, 365 days. You want to talk about cabin fever and going stir-crazy? Unbelievable. You and I think we've had it bad. And how many days has it been? Well, did she do that on Tuesday or Wednesday? Well, we'll just say four days. And we're already wondering, when is this going to end? Imagine that little family on that bobbing ark. Anyway, we're all praying, of course, that it will end soon. But speaking of walls and, and, and houses, four walls, and that little domicile where you and I are spending most of every day and night, let's not, let's not forget, listen, that the infant Christian church, when it was birthed in the book of Acts, that's, that's, that's where they worshiped. They didn't have any building that they could go up to and say, oh, here's a church, let's worship there. There were no such thing as church buildings. Now, they started worshiping, of course, in, the, in Jerusalem's temple. Then they, then they uh, moved on to synagogues. And eventually, being driven from pillar to post, they end up 
in their own homes, privately, with a few families, worshiping the Almighty God and Creator. I love the book of Romans, but I really like that last chapter. And I want you to take a look at this last chapter because Romans has ended at the end of chapter 15. And then Paul says, oops, I have some PSs I need to add. I have, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's blowing spiritual kisses as it were. And in fact, in some of his letters, he talks about greeting each other with a holy kiss. So I want you to take a look at this. Grab your Bible. You have it nearby. Uh, Romans chapter 16. I'm in my usual, the New International Version. Let me pick it up here in verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Now here comes verse 5. Greet also the church that meets at their house. You can just stop it right there. So Aquila and Priscilla, we've all heard of them, the tent makers, they had a church in their house. And Paul says, P.S., hey, blow, blow, blow some of my love to those folks in that house. Now drop down to verse 10. We've got another one. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. By the way, well, I would love to have that be the description of my life when it comes to an end if, if I can't make it till Jesus comes. Isn't that something? Whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. And then he goes on. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Okay, there's another house church. And then verse 11, another one. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Paul, the, uh, the Jew from Tarsus, writes, Greet those in the household of narcissists who are in the Lord. P.S., house church. P.S., another house church. P.S.S.S., greet that other house church for me. That's the, way, that's the way Christians lived. What you and I are experiencing right now in our houses and me in this big, empty big house, this, th that's how they worship, those little communities in houses. The uh, website New Testament Reformation Fellowship observes. I'll put this on the screen for you. Scripture indicates that the early church met in the private homes of its more affluent members. Let's just run through a list of some of these, these uh, private homes that we know about. We know about Philemon. Well, he was wealthy enough to own a slave, so we do know that. They met in his house, as he says in his letter. Paul's letter to him. Uh, we know about Lydia, the uh, prosperous businesswoman. She had a house, and that's where the church believers met. She, she sold this uh, purple textile. Uh, there's another one, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Of course, we just talked about them. It's interesting that this website notes that they were employed in the evidently lucrative first century trade of tent making. So they were not doing too, too, uh, too poor. And then here's another one, Gaius. He's a man with a big heart, and he sponsored missionaries around the empire. So, and he, he had the whole Corinthian church, and that was a rather large congregation. They met in his house. Maybe he had a villa. We don't know. But the, the uh, website quotes, and I'll put this on the screen for you, Graydon Snyder of Sh Chicago Theological Seminary observed that the New Testament church began as a small group house church, Colossians 4.15, and it remains so until the middle or end of the third century. There are no evidences of larger places of meeting before 300 A.D. You just stop the quotation right there. So house churches carried the, carried the first three centuries. So here we all are, cheerfully meeting in our own individual homes, wishing we could be released from our houses and this mandatory lockdown. But we, we suddenly are reminded, hey, it's okay. We're not alone. No one is family. 365 days. Hope ours isn't that long. Uh, these house churches that dotted the Roman Empire. And if we s 
slipped for a moment into church history. We have the catacombs where Christians met underground in those churches. We have up in northern Italy, I've been there as well as to the catacombs, but the, the, the Italian Alps in northern Italy, by the way, the most heavily hit portion of Italy right now in this pandemic. But up there, the Walden Seas, cloistered in the Alpine Valleys, little houses, caves even. So what we're experiencing, this, this deal of worshiping in, in my, my little home, my domicile, worshiping God, God's been used to this for a long, long time. I know it feels awkward, but here we are. We might as well make the best of it. So here's the question we need to be asking. How can I, in the midst of this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic, how can I, how can you, how can we turn our surviving into thriving at home? In other words, how can I turn my physical uh, surviving and thriving, my spiritual surviving and thriving, how can I turn that into a a win-win for me, for my little family, if there's a family in that house with you right now? How can we we win out of this? That's a great question. Let's explore some answers. answers. I I think you're going to be surprised, I certainly was, how valuable this house experience can turn out to be. I was on the phone this last Sunday with my daughter, Kristen. She and her husband uh, live out west. Her husband, Andrew, he works for the government. She works at home. So I knew that this, this uh, moment was going to come when we would take a look at the, uh, this idea of worshiping at home, living at home during a pandemic. And so I say, hey, Chrissy, come on. You, you, you have worked at home. She's got a business called Asymmetric Executive Solutions. So she is, she's uh, online counseling uh, consulting. And I said, uh, would you be willing to to write up a little something of how to survive, how to live at home, how to have your work at home. Truth is, there are a whole bunch of us now that are having to work from home, and we didn't have to work from home before. We had an office. We had a place. We had a clinic. We had, we had this. We had that. But now we're at home, thanks to the governor's decision. So write something up. Three days, into the, uh, three days later, she sent me this beautiful little paper uh, embedded right in her email. I printed it off. And you know what? I got it right here. I want to I read some pretty practical, uh, I think rather sage counsel from this young, not even quite mid-30s woman who, who does her work and her business from home. So I'm going to run these by you. By the way, don't worry about writing anything down. I'm going to make this paper available. I asked her, could I share this if somebody said, yeah, I'd like a copy of that. So when you get the connect card at the end. You put a check mark there and we'll get an electronic copy of this to you. Okay, here we're going to call this Life Practices for Body and Mind Thriving at Home. Okay, Body and Mind Thriving at Home. You know, it's obviously professional thriving, career thriving, all the rest, but we'll just call it Body and Mind. Number one, stick to a routine. Well, that makes sense. It's easy to think that when you're working from home, I'm reading her words, you don't need a schedule, but without one, you're setting yourself up for failure. You have to have a plan. Not so stringent that you can't be flexible, but you need to have your work-life routine set up so you you can transition into working easily when you move into your house for work. Okay, number two, get dressed. (laughs) She writes, sounds silly, but this is important. You have to get yourself physically and mentally ready to work from home. When you stay in your PJs, your mind will follow, and getting into your work mindset will be harder. Come on. Raise your hands, because I can see right through this glass. How many of you are in your PJs right now? 
It's okay if you are. But what she's saying is if you want to work at home, you got to get down to business. Hanging around in your, uh, your onesie is, is not going to get you through the major work that you need to get done. All right, number three, if you had a commute, use it widely now. I thought this was brilliant. Okay, so, so you're commuting to work. Let's say it's a 30-minute commute. Some of you did in L.A. or New York or Chicago. you got an hour commute. So that's an hour there and an hour back. She says, take that time. Now, that's time you got because you work between the commutes. Now you're going to take that same amount of work and do it at home. But reward yourself with what you do during that, that, commute, that commuting time. You're going to be staying at home now, but you could do some, some meditation time now, maybe some exercise time. She put in here, you can even clean the kitchen sink sink time. So you got that extra commuting time now that you're going to have at home. Put it to good use. Number four, create your communication plan with work and coworkers. So you got to tell them, look, you can get a hold of me by text. We're going to do it all by text. We're going to do it with Slack. Our team here is on Slack. Uh, it's going to be email, whatever it is. Everybody has to know how's, how is it best to be in touch with you. All right, number five, separate work and life. Oh, this is good. This can be a struggle, Chrissy writes. Not everyone has the ability to have a work space at home unless they already work from home. But this is so important. When you work from home, you will always have creep, C-R-E-E-P, creep, what we full-time work from homers, and there's, a, there's a, initials for this, W-F-H, so they call themselves the W-F-H-ers. What we full-time work from homers call when work life and home life creep into other areas. you got to keep those separate because it's easy to just kind of mix it all up and then, man, am I at work or am I at home? What am I doing? Good counsel. Separate work and life. Number six. She's got more in here, but you, you can get the paper. Take more breaks. Now, she says, this is important thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. Anyone who works from home will need to make changes to their breaks. Instead of taking a break to run errands, as you would do at the office, get lunch with friends or grab some social interaction, you will need to take breaks to keep you healthy now. So she's giving you some ideas here. She says, look, instead of going out, just get into nature. Nothing's better for the soul than some time in nature. Take a break. You got kids in your house? Get everyone out for a bike ride or a hike or some sports fun or just a walk. Your doggies will need to get out more often too. Now, she would be looking out for dogs. She's got three of them. We call them our grand dogs. So she says she takes them out often. Taking breaks helps keep you sane. That's good. All right, number seven, set a work schedule, all right? You can't just go easy come, easy go. That's her point. You've got you to have a schedule. Let the schedule guide you. Have enough discipline to stick by that schedule. It'll keep you focused when you're in your workspace and work time. Number eight, stay healthy. I thought this was good, particularly in light of this uh, pandemic. This is more important, as she writes, than ever before. But when you work from home, it can be easy to grab the easiest snack as opposed to the healthiest snack. Aha. It's even easier to simply forget a lunch break or a water break. So you may have to work harder at this. Make sure you're taking care for yourself with COVID-19 spreading and everyone spending time at home to be safe. Take time to focus on strengthening your immune system and your family's immune systems. Make sure that you and everyone in your home are eating your fruits, your vegetables. Get all the water you need. Get that daily exercise. Keep your stress levels down and get good sleep. I tell you what, leave it, living at home you be, you're going to be tempted to just, oh, man, I can, I, can, I can stay up till late at night, and then I'll sleep in in the morning. There goes your discipline. There goes all those parameters. No, 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 no. You've got to live by, by some sort of regimen. And, and uh, she's making a good point. Uh, 
Just a couple more of these. Work harder to stay social. And her point is, when you were at the office, when you were in the clinic, when you were, when you were at the factory, wherever it is you work, or even in a classroom, you always had social interaction. You have none of it now. It's just an empty classroom when you walk into it. There's nobody. And if you're used to being in a student in school, now you have, where, where's everybody? They're all gone. You're in isolation, as it were. She says you're going to have to now be intentional. Create chat rooms. Create this, this, uh, this, this social media connect. You can use Google Hangouts, Skype, Slack, a million other platforms for free, so do it. By the way, you can also find an online community of other work-at-home moms or dads to stay connected to and remind yourself that you're not alone. And finally, set boundaries. Well, there, there are a bunch more, but um, you can get the paper. Set, set boundaries. Yep. If you have kids, this is even more important than if it's just you and your spouse. Everybody needs to know when it is you're working, where, they'll learn the space pretty quickly, when, when you're not working. Set up these boundaries. The family will abide by them. You honor their boundaries as well. Can you thrive at home? Absolutely. I, it's going to take discipline. It's a whole new regimen and a new environment. But hey, we have to change with the times. None of us planned this. None of us were even expecting it. But here we are. How to thrive, how to have your body and mind thrive at home. The point is that through simple strategic planning, you, your, your lockdown soul and mind and, and, and body at home, that time, that lockdown time can become thriving time. You're just going to have to work at it. Okay, so, so she, uh, we'll, we'll call her list this, this body and mind thriving at home time. I got one more list before I sit down. We'll call this soul thriving. Life, life principles for soul thriving at home. We need the body and mind thriving, of, of course, but, we've got, but not at the expense. Not at the expense of soul thriving. And guess what? Thanks to the governor's mandate this week here in Michigan... We have been given a, an incredible, a beautiful opportunity, so to speak, to be able to have time for soul care. You know, we were always complaining about, man, my life is so busy. I got to go there. I got to come, go, come, go, come, go. Guess what? You're not going to be coming and going. What can we be doing for our souls in this time so that we might thrive in our spirits? It's a great question. Now, you'd expect me to say this. But uh, you know what? You and I, in fact, you and I had just spent three Sabbaths together, and we had a little series going called Prepared, question mark. You remember that? And then, boom, here comes the, the coronavirus big-time pandemic, and suddenly the campus is empty, the church is empty, and here we are at home. But, you know, that line that we were focusing on, Luke chapter 1, verse 17, let's put it on the screen, Luke 1, 17, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That line describes your life mission and mine. It's not just mine. It's yours. It's even your children's if you've got kids. You remember John the Baptist? That line that Gabriel said, listen, this is the line that's going to define your boy's life, Zechariah, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Well, he was making people ready for the Messiah's, the Messiah's first coming. You and I are part of a generation to make people ready for the Messiah's second coming. Same line, same mission. Same passion, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And before the series just got cut off, we were talking about instilling that vision, instilling that mission, that passion in, in the youngest hearts of our families, in our children. And by the way, I need to say this. 
because it doesn't matter whether you're single or married, with children or without children. That's not the issue. But if you have children, I hope you're taking advantage of what we have posted online. Man, there is some dynamite stuff. One of its kind, by the way, YouTube videos that our children's Sabbath school leaders are producing, fresh, short. We're getting all kinds of hits. People are borrowing it. Listen, you don't have to be a member of Pioneer to take advantage of it. Help yourself. And they're producing this stuff new. So you can keep going back to that website, pmchurch.org, and then you, you see at the top, COVID-19, big red bar, emergency. You tap on there. You have everything we're offering during this uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic. So we won't get back to that series because we started now Corona Care Kit. That's our focus. And right now we're talking about how can I, I want my body and mind to thrive at home, but I want my soul to thrive. Okay, so let me, before I sit down, let me run these by you. Life practices for soul thriving at home. Here we go. Practice, practical practice number one. Okay, here comes number one. Begin a new mental spiritual diet. Okay, so you, you have gifted time, enforced rest time. Get into a new phase a new mental spiritual diet by setting aside some time every day to slowly read. You pick it out. Pick a book in the Bible. A book in the Bible. Not a book about the Bible. A book in the Bible. And maybe a book that you've never read. Or a book that you've been curious about, but ah, I'll get to it someday. Pick one you've always wanted to mind. You want to go deeper in the book. It could be Romans. could be Psalms. could be First and Second Samuel. Great stories. It could be Jeremiah. It doesn't matter to me. But you pick a book, and then here's what you do. Go online. And find a commentary that deals with that book. They're there by the hundreds. You can buy verse by verse by verse. Work your way slowly. You're no rush. This may last longer than three weeks. But you're moving slowly through that new book that you, you're eager to get into in Scripture. Listen. Soul thriving. That's what we're focusing on now. I'll tell you what will kill the desire for soul thriving just like that. And I think you'll understand what I'm saying. What kills the desire this fast is allowing another virus to enter your house through live streaming, binge watching, infected entertainment. You can define, define all of that yourself. But you know, you do binge watching. Well, man, now i got time. I've always wanted to do that series. I'm going to do that one. Then I'm going to do the next one. And then I'll do the next one. You, uh, you know that that could just sap any desire for soul thriving at all. Why ruin this perfectly given to you and me opportunity to thrive, to enter into soul thriving by going, shooting off a virus-strewn pathway like that, moral virus? It's not worth it. Why? You've been given this on a, on a silver platter. Take it. Seize the moment. All right? Practical practice, number one, begin a new uh, spiritual diet, mental diet, some book in the Bible. Here comes number two. Practical practice, number two, for soul thriving at home. Begin an online blog or journal to record your discoveries in this new book, Bible book that you're reading, okay? So you got your laptop. Write a thought. Hmm, I never thought about that. Maybe you're looking for pictures of God that you've never seen before. Oh, I want to find something in, in, about God in this. Write it down. Don't just, don't just uh, brood on it and meditate on it. Jot it down. And then upload it. Become a social missionary, a social media missionary. Yeah, just, just drop it out there. You have friends. They'll go by and look at it. Somebody else will come by. They'll look at it. 
inadvertently, and perhaps not even knowingly, you become a planter of gospel seed. The world's desperate to know, what is this God like that people believe in? Could I really get to know him? Could, could I develop a friendship with him, a private friendship, where I could grow and that my life would thrive in areas of my life where it's absolutely famine-stricken and barren? What if he were real? What if I could connect with him? Just you quietly jotting down your perspective on that picture of God that you saw, somebody passes by your, your social media platform, sees it. Who knows what God's going to do? Practical ways to bring soul thriving at home into my life. Okay, here comes number three. Practical practice number three for soul thriving at home. Start an Instagram or a Pinterest uh, page of coronavirus promises that you found. And it may be in reading this new book, whatever the new book is, uh, in the Bible, you'll come across some and you'll just jot the, whoa, that's a good one, and make a list. I tell you what, a list of seven, eight, ten, it doesn't matter. Those lists are go like crazy. I see them. I'm on Twitter. And people are retweeting lists. Everybody's into lists. Pinterest, of course. Instagram, of course. You put the list out and just let those lists make their way. Maybe even around the world. Who knows? But look for those promises and just make that list. Uh, here's, here's practical practice number four for soul thriving at home. Start an online group for kindred spirits. You have friends, you have acquaintances who share your values, who share your aspirations, who share your, your desire to go deeper with God. Get an online uh, kindred spirit group. Call it whatever you want. But just make a time. Okay, guys, we're going to meet at this time. Boom. We're using Zoom now. Man, I bet I had more Zoom meetings this week. But it's, it's wonderful. You can see everybody's face. You're sitting around. Everybody's looking at each other. You can hear everybody. You laugh together. You pray together. We've started a house of prayer. We've had the second week of house of prayer now, our seven, seven in the evening house of prayer group. Everybody comes to Zoom. We send out the link. They're there. We're calling out. We're reading, thinking, sharing Hey, here's what happened to me this week. It's beautiful. And it costs you nothing. You get the free Zoom. You only, it, the session can only last 40 minutes, but that's all you need. And it's free. So get a hold of your friends and say, hey, listen, let's meet next week. And you agree on a time. That would be practical practice number four. Here comes, there are only six of these. Here comes number five, practical practice. Number five for soul thriving at home. Take the money you're saving from eating out, entertaining yourself, or a date, or a friend, or spouse, take that money and give it to your favorite charity that is working for the uh, pandemic. Not all charities work for pandemics. I understand that. They're all fine. But take one that's, have a, have, have a hand in something that's going on right now. Boy, this need for medical equipment is just unbelievable. Well, there must be, there must be, you go online, you can find a charity that's raising money for that. Just send a few dollars. What's the big deal? It'll just bless your soul, and you know that your gift will be a blessing. And by the way, don't let me miss this chance to, to invite you to not forget your beloved home church. Now, you knew I'd throw that in, didn't you? Your beloved home church. Come on, folks. This season of enforced rest and quiet 
If we're not careful, I suppose we could just let it be, uh, well, you know, listen, when I go back to church, that's when I'm going to start giving again. If we all make that decision, and I'm talking about the big church now, all over this planet, millions and millions of essential operating dollars will never be given. Because I thought I'd I'd just wait out the the, the, uh, virus and the pandemic, and, and I'll be fine. The church will be fine. No, no, no. This church has to keep going. <laughs> the lights, the, 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 uh, the heat, the, the journals that we give, the lesson quarterlies that people have been coming by to pick up, who, but they've now figured out you can go online and get your Sabbath school lesson quarterly that way. And you don't have to even come to the church. The point is, giving is soul therapy. And anybody of any persuasion or zero persuasion will tell you Giving, altruistic giving is soul therapy. It does something for you. you f- your immune system is actually boosted. They have studies that show your immune system is boosted. Enough. Okay. Uh, finally, practical practice number six for a soul thriving at home. Read a good book during this downtime, and I'm going to suggest the book to you because I and some others have set out to do the same. We're going to try to read this book through during this uh, uh, pandemic break, so to speak. You know what the book is? I don't mind telling you. It's called The Great Controversy. You may have heard of the book. This book is is a provocative, in my humble opinion, a provocative halogen spotlight beamed into the dark lair where the apocalypse is mauling crimson dragon hides. You ever shine a flashlight in a dark place? Sure you have. I walk, sometimes it's really dark, at night or early morning. Sometimes I'll shine it and I'll see green eyes looking straight back at me and I'm saying, uh-oh, I hope that's only a cat. <laughs> and I don't mean a lion either. Yeah, you know. This book is like this massive halogen spotlight. It shines right into the dark recesses of that lair where the dragon lies cloaked and hidden waiting for his next victims on this planet. And it exposes his modus operandi. I've never seen a book like this do it. There is no other book on the planet that does what this book does. If you've never read it before, why not read it during the few weeks you have in this enforced downtime? No other book so exposes Satan's ruthless endgame before Jesus returns than this one. In fact, speaking of the coronavirus pandemic, someone tweeted me this quotation this week from the Great Controversy, all right? So I'm going to put it on the screen for you right now. There you'll see it. I'm reading. Satan will bring disease and disaster until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. Even now, she goes on, he is at work before the return of Jesus in every place and in in a thousand forms. Satan is exercising his power. He sweeps away the ripening harvest and famine and distress follow. Now, here it comes. Watch this. He imparts to the air a deadly taint and thousands perish by the pestilence. Sound familiar? Of course it does. Last line. These visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous, end quote. If we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now, as the old spiritual sings. I'm telling you what. 
Shall we be afraid? No. Never, never, never be afraid. You know why? For greater is he that is in you, that is in me. Greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. That's why. You don't have to be afraid of Satan. His roaring dragon, who, by the way, never shows up as a dragon. He always shows up as a beautiful being of light with a hypnotic spell. You want to do this, my friend. You want to do this. Follow me. Yeah. I'm talking about that killer with a, with a basket full of destroying viruses, moral viruses. Yeah. Let me tell you why you don't have to be afraid of him. Number one, he has a divine leash and a choke collar around his neck. Number two, he has the blood of Calvary on his guilty hands. Choke collar around his neck. There is, he cannot move an, a millimeter without the Almighty God of the universe hedging Holding, monitoring. He has no access to you, but that God is there to step in between every single time. Number two, he has the blood of Calvary on his hands. And number three, guess what? He's a defeated foe and he knows it. That's, that's the whole point of his bluff is to make you think that he's the, he's a winner. He's the victor. You just align your stars with His. You win for the rest of your life. Uh, this pandemic is a desperate move of His to somehow derail God's accelerating intervention with the human race. Satan knows that his time is short. If he knew that, if he knew that two millennia ago, he knows it now, backwards and forwards. This is one more desperate move. Stop. Halt the advance of the kingdom of light. And I hate to tell you, but we're, we shall witness worse than this before it gets better. That last line we just read, these visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous. But in the words of our Lord, oh, I love this. I've got to end with this. John 16, come on. You've you got your Bible there. John 16, 16. This is the last words in the upper room before he goes to Gethsemane and his death. All right, so this is John 16. Verse 33, put it on the screen for you as well. I have told you these things. Jesus speaking to his closest friends now. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Oh, my. Take heart, as one translation puts it. Be of good cheer. Be of, be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Cheer up, homebound friends and family. I have overcome the world. You're going to have trouble here. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Don't you worry. Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world that is the dominion of this hiding in the shadows dragon. I've overcome the world. I have conquered him. You have nothing to fear. Greater am I in you than he, the enemy who's in the world. Take heart. I'm coming soon. That's the great news. Take heart. I have overcome the world, and I am coming soon. Oh, my. Of course, it's a pandemic. Of course, we're concerned. But we can, we can survive, and we can thrive at home with a Lord like this, who 24-7 will coach us through the rest of the journey until He comes. Be of good cheer. 
Take heart. I have overcome the world. Ah, we got to sing that song. Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, ye pilgrims. Be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. I want to sing that with you. But first, the connect card. You're already there online. So click to the, uh, you know, it says overview and then it says connect. Click on that little tab, connect. You have these four next steps. I hope you take them. Next step, number one, I want, to tr- I want to turn my surviving into thriving at home. Me too. Check. Box number two, please send me the paper on body, mind, thriving at home. I promised you I'd send you that paper. I have to have a check mark there and an email address. We'll send it to you electronically. You want that? Box number three, send me those suggestions for soul thriving at home. You want that? We'll send it to you. Put a check there. We have to have your email address. And finally, box number four, I will join you for the online Agape Feast next Saturday, same time, same station. I just talked about that a moment ago. I hope you'll be a part of it. Come on, get out and get some. You you still go to the grocery store, get some fresh fruits, some crackers and nuts. Set them up in a nice little arrangement there in in your living room near your television, near your laptop, and and. We'll, we'll, we'll go through it together. You don't have to worry about what to do. We'll do it together, all of us. Tell your family and friends. Bring them. We're going to have an unforgettable, a memorable time focusing on our Lord Jesus and His triumph on our behalf and His soon coming as well. Now, let's sing that song. Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring.
Let's pray. Oh God, that triumphant song, lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Thank you for the good news that we can live with in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. This isn't the end of the world yet. No, no, no. There's much to do. But we pray two prayers. Prayer number one, may our own bodies and minds and souls not just survive at home, but may they thrive. And prayer number two, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, the strangers all around us, may they find the good news of Jesus as well. He's the gift that their hearts are looking for. If you can use us in any way to extend that gift, then in our own humble way, have at it. Now he who testifies declares, Behold, I come quickly. Amen. Yes, come, Lord Jesus. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus be on his people. Amen.